Hey guys, my name is Sagan and I'm an addict. And my name is Mark and I'm an addict. And welcome to Recovery on the Real. Uh, today we have a special guest with us, Valerie M. Uh, a lot of you know her, um, and if you don't, you should, because she's amazing. Uh, she has one of the best, most inspiring stories that I've ever heard, and she's someone that I hold very dear to my heart. So I'm just going to introduce her right now. Hi, Sagan. Hi, Mark. Hey. And listeners, <laughs> this is Valerie. I'm an addict. All right, Valerie. So we just kind of want to, you know, hear a little bit of your story, kind of where you started, the things that you've been through, and what recovery has given you. Okay. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I started using when I was young, you know, like 12. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just fun stuff, you know, smoking a little pot and drinking a little TJ Swan that was, you know, hot straight out of the liquor store that an older person had bought for us. Um, and then progressing to, you know, taking a few pills and uh, moved up from TJ Swan to Cherry Vodka. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was um, probably, I can, I can still remember the first time I ever puked after drinking cherry vodka. <laughs> I've never drank it again, but that, I mean, like, of course, that didn't stop me. So, um, so I don't know. Um, I was raised an only child, and um, I, don't, I didn't really have a bad life. Um, my mom always worked. Um you know, my grandmother was a big part of my life. She, um, she always worked. My uncle, like everybody worked, um, but they were all alcoholics. I mean, like my grandma was the sweetest little lady, um, but she would go on a drunk and like, you know, a fifth of Weller's and, um, and chasing it with bush beer, uh, and she would stay drunk for like weeks, two weeks, three weeks. And, and I still to this day cannot figure out how, because she, like she kept her same job for 28 years, like 28 years. Um, me, whenever I go on my benders, like hmm, I lose my job within like maybe a week or two. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, um, you know, I was pregnant at a really young age. Um, I was, I got myself pregnant when I was 14 years old and, um, and ended up getting married to him. He was my drug dealer. He was much older and, you know, I never really had a father figure in my life. So I don't know if that was something like I've always sought out, um, were these older men, you know, like, um, my first husband, he, he was the drug dealer. He had, a really super hot car and he had a lot of money and, um, and all he had to do was tell me he loved me. You know, that was, that was it. Yeah. Um, so we ended up getting married. Um, but I divorced him when I was 18. So, um, and that's probably really when my addiction probably pretty much, you know, took off. Are you, are you from here in Tulsa? Uh, I'm originally from Muskogee, Oklahoma. I'm an Okie right from Muskogee. Nice. Yeah. That, you're talking about the uh, 
throwing up that I'm reminded of this time I drank like I can't remember what kind of alcohol, but it was like liquor. And then I drank hot damn and then frenzia wine and Kurz light. And that was like a very, God, that was just a, that experience. That had to be, yeah. <laughs> Mine was 99 bananas. I've never heard of that. Yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure it's a vodka. It tastes like bananas. It's like all the variants of that. The 99 yeah. whipped cream. The 99 <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I woke up smelling like bananas. It wasn't fun. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that is not fun. So, um, of course, we always think it's fun, you know. Um, in the beginning, and I think it's probably for all of us, like in the beginning, like using, um, we just wanted to feel something different. You know, me growing up, I was, um, I was super smart, and I was real tall and, and gangly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had this white, white blonde hair, and I had to wear braces. And, um, and, and they, like, my nickname, and I swear, if either one of you all repeat, so if you ever say this, well, I know. <laughs> but, you know, my, my nickname was Big Bird. And, uh, and I mean, yeah. And I also, um, like, all the girls developed before me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was also the president of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that stuff, um, I mean, it, I guess it, I mean, it affects you, you know, when you're yeah. a kid. Um, but when I would drink alcohol or smoke weed or take a pill, like I was wittier, prettier and tittier. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's good. You know, um, and, uh, and I didn't have to feel that awkward, you know, um, or that embarrassment um, of, you know, going to a slumber party and waking up the next morning and somebody had put Band-Aids on my little titties. Jeez. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> yeah. I had mosquito bites. I mean, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's really what it all stems from is we just want to feel accepted. And we want to be cool when we're, you know, young. Um, we want to fit in. Mm. Um you know, I was super smart and, God, you know, if I would have been okay with that, I mean, I'd probably be like a doctor or something now because I was just really, really smart and I was embarrassed of that when I was young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, so uh, my first introduction to, um, to recovery was in... 1996, and um, I had acquired a pretty bad problem with methamphetamine, and uh, <clears throat> and so I um, was I got I got sent to a treatment center the first time uh, in 1996, and it was about 500 miles from my hometown, and um, you know, and I got clean, and I, and I stayed clean for a minute, um, but I guess I just wasn't ready, Yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also still had some of those uh, reservations, like that I could drink alcohol successfully and not have a problem. Like, I wasn't an alcoholic. Right. Like, everybody in my family was an alcoholic. Well, I'll show them. I'll mm-hmm. be a drug addict. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But addiction, it's addiction. Absolutely. It's the same. I totally relate to that. Yeah, I just was raised seeing a lot of that. And 
yeah. kind of learned that I could use objects or, you know, game video games or anything to escape reality. I started, I remember from a young age, I was just around a lot of turmoil. So definitely relate. Yeah. Especially the, the being around the alcoholism and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, my dad was my biological dad. He was six foot nine and they called him the seven foot tall drunk, you know, and, and it's so ironic. I didn't really have a relationship with him. Um, he left when my mom was like seven months pregnant with me. Uh, but he is actually the one who um, got me into the first treatment center that I ever went to in 96. Um, so that was, uh, that was the beginning of, you know, being introduced to recovery. Um, and it took some years. It took from, it was 19, February of 1996. And finally, in July of 2001, that was the last time I've ever done any meth, ever. So um, I know it's a really hard drug to get off of. And if somebody's listening, you know, just don't give up because you can, you know, you yeah. can, you can, you can, you can get off of it. Um, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, but uh, I'm here to tell you, like, it is 2022, and I have not used methamphetamine since July of 2001. That's awesome. Which is amazing, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I see people like you all the time, and I even said this to some people uh, that I'd met in Oklahoma City, like, as a newcomer, looking up to you guys and seeing that you've got 10, 15, 20 years of recovery, you guys are like the fucking Avengers, like, in my eyes. <laughs> right. like, yeah. like, this just this... Un uh, unattainable goal, you know, in our mind, and we forget to live this thing day to day instead of looking long term. Yeah, and um, you know, it's a process. Um, when I got clean in two thousand one, <clears throat> I was very active in a twelve step program, and um, you know, my life got uh, man, it got good. You know, it really got good, and. Um, by that time, I was I was married. It was my third husband um, by that time because I, you know, I I don't know. I collected husbands and thing. I collect giraffes now. I don't collect husbands. It's my favorite animal. I love them. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, my bad. But when I got clean in two thousand one, um, you know, I I was serious about my recovery. Um, I wanted something different. Um. And a lot of good things happened. Um, so at about a year clean, we found out that I was pregnant again. And, um, you know, my husband, he had a great career and I had a great career. And we were fixing to have this new baby. And my adult daughter was talking to me. Um, <clears throat> and so life was just really good. Um, and somewhere along the way, I just got too busy to feed my recovery. You know, and, um, you know, uh, the career was demanding, being a new mom was demanding, um, being a wife, like all that stuff. And, um, you know, they say if we're not feeding our recovery, we're feeding the disease. Um, and even though I wasn't using any uh, substance, I just wasn't, I was just at a standstill. I was just abstaining 
isn't that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Abstaining. I was just abstaining. Um, and when life on life's terms happened, and I always like to say life on life's terms, like showed up and like, it didn't knock on my door. It literally kicked it off the hinges. Yeah. Um, my son was three. He had just turned three and uh, he was diagnosed with a very rare uh, genetic disorder and it was terminal. And um, I just wasn't prepared, you know, and, and it's kind of funny, you know, our, our meeting today was about, I talked a lot about, it was about relapse and addiction and things like that. And, uh, and a lot of the readings that we did today, it was about reservations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and that is one thing you hear a lot of people, you know, that reservation, if something happens to my kid or something happens to my parent or, you know, um, they don't know, a person doesn't know if they can get through it clean. And, um, I did not get through that clean. So, um, they told us that our son would only live to be five and he was three at the time. And, um, this, the disorder that he had, there's literally only 2000 cases in the entire world. And, um, and I don't know, I didn't handle that. I didn't, I was very angry. I was probably angry. I was angry at God, you know, like, how dare you? Um, I have this beautiful life and I have this, you know, I'm getting a chance to be a mom again. Um, because with my daughter, I didn't do so good. You know, I was young, I was an addict. Um, I met, you know, I missed out and I, on a lot of things with her. Um, I was absent a lot. Um, and so I just felt like I was getting a do-over, a second chance, you know, and then to be told that you're taking this from me, was not, I was very angry. Um, and it didn't take long for me to, um, find my way to the doctor and, you know, I'm stressed, I'm depressed, I'm mad, I'm sad, um. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I need something. And it was that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was that easy. Um, I never had a problem with that drug before. Um, also, in my mind, you know, it's coming from a doctor, so it's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and, uh, and he knew. I mean, he knew I was in recovery. Or he knew I was not. I was... He knew that I had had a problem before with other drugs, um, and it didn't seem to, you know, it, it didn't seem to matter to him. I guess. Right. Or, what I understand, they're they're nowadays, like in med school, they're not really trained in addiction, and I would say it's hard for me to believe that there's not that many addicts in that field, because there probably is. But yeah. you know, even nowadays, there's a, a lack of it, and I think well. Maybe in 2022, maybe it's probably more prevalent because of the, uh, you know, opioid crisis that's gone on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, fentanyl's been around forever for as a pain med. So, you know, it's just now that it's, it blows my mind. But, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and so um, I started taking that little pill and um, and at least I wouldn't just like it, it helped. You know, because I, I could be in the middle of a grocery store and have this major anxiety attack and 
all I can think about was my son dying, you know, um, all the what ifs and this and that. And, um, you know, and I'm an addict. Fuck. I mean, yeah. just because it was a different drug, it was still a drug. Um, just because it came from a doctor and it was on a prescription form, um, it made me feel different. It made me not have to deal with the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, it took away the, or numbed, it didn't take it away. It numbed all those things that I was feeling. You know, I had absolutely no foundation left um, in my recovery program. And, um, and man, it's vital. You've got to have that foundation. And firmly, I firmly believe now, like if you are spiritually fit and if you have a solid foundation and recovery, you can get through anything clean. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. But if it wasn't for you guys, the predecessors, I would never, I would have never known. No, not at all. And it's like seeing, I mean, I've, and the loss of it, I don't know about the child thing. That's rough. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I think about my daughter, of course, and, uh, you know, just and anyone, you don't have to have kids to think that would be, you know, intensely hard to get through. But, yeah, I mean, I, I lost someone very close to me. I was about five months in. And I remember just, yeah, it was, it was an experience. But, you know, I've kind of looked at it as a reason why I need to stay on the ship and continue to do what I'm doing right. for the people that are coming after me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's just what's carried me through thus far. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's people like Valerie that have paved the way for for us to see that it can be done, and that using it's not going to make it better. Oh, it's no. not going to make anything better. If anything, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I I picked up so 2001. Zach was diagnosed. Um, I think it was. 2006, it was January of 2006, and I think February is when, February or March is when, you know, I had that first doctor visit and had my first doctor um, and got the prescription, you know, and it was just a matter of time. I was so strung out, it, you know, and it, and it took, um, it was 2008, and by 2000, from 2006 until 2008, absolutely everything that I had acquired in my, you know, being active in a fellowship and, and practicing a program of recovery, like I had lost everything, everything. Um, my adult daughter was no longer speaking to me. My husband and I were separated. Um, Zachary ended up in DHS custody because I was an unfit parent. Um, I lived in a big, beautiful house and, um, <clears throat> and I was absolutely alone, mm. absolutely alone. <clears throat> um, you know, my stepdad, he, he showed up, um, I had ran out of that, that certain drug that I was on. And, and by that time, I mean, I was consuming a lot. I had there were four different doctors writing me the same script and, and I was consuming a lot of that drug. And, um, and then of course the doctors found out and, and I got cut off. And, um, and when I ran out of that medication, you know, um, I started 
seizures, the seizures and um, the hallucinations. And, and I literally almost died. I almost fucking died from that. And, um, but uh, my higher, my higher power saw fit, you know, um, to give me one more chance. Mm-hmm. And um, I checked myself into a, well, I went to detox and um, my stepdad, I, I can remember like coming in and out of consciousness and, and I can remember him being there and, and trying to like, he's calling all these detox centers and nobody would take me. Like nobody would take me because I was so sick. Yeah. And I can even remember him taking me to a place and, um, and, and those words mentally and physically, she's too far gone. There's nothing we can do for her. And, um, and that's scary <laughs> to be alive, but yet be, I don't know, like vegetated state, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I was able, um, I got into a detox center and then from there I went, um, to a treatment center. And when I checked into that treatment center, um, I was all I had left. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was all I had left and, um, and nobody, like I didn't have visitors. Um, I, um, I had you know, I had let everybody down again and everybody was pretty much done with me, you know? Um, and that's probably one of the best things that happened to me is, um, you know, have you been in a treatment center on Thanksgiving and Christmas and not having anybody come see you because you had totally screwed up your life and their life. Um, and I just kept going, you know, um, <clears throat> I kept doing what they told me to do. And, um, and I'll never forget the night I'm laying in that treatment center on that little hard bed. And it, it just came to me like I, my, I made peace with my higher power, with my God, you know, like it just came to me like, um, God did not give me this, this child that, um, is sick. To punish me, he gave me this child um, because he trusted me with that child. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I hang on to that to this day. um, Out of all the billions of people in the world, he chose me to be Zachary's mom because he knew I could do it. He knew that Zachary was going to need the love and the patience and and an advocate and um, all those things. And um, and that was my job. And, um, and so that became my focus was to get myself well and to get my child out of state custody and build us a good life while he was still alive. And that's what I did. Um, you know, the 12 step program, 12 step fellowship, like we are this huge family and, um, I was able to raise my child. Uh, I was able to learn how to become a good mom and um, how to keep a roof over our head, how to pay the bills and things like that um, and be a a successful parent because there's no manual on being a parent. You know what I mean? And a lot of us, when we get here, you know, our kids are in DHS custody or they're with a family member. 
um, because we're not good parents when we're strung out, you know, um, and a lot of our, you know, our kids suffer as a result of that. And um, so I don't know. Um, I was able to, you know, stay clean. Um, I just celebrated 14 years. That's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> um, on October 16th, I celebrated 14 years. And um, five years ago, Zachary, he passed away. Um, and I've stayed clean, you know, I stayed clean through that. And, um, he loved our fellowship. Um, they loved him. You know, I, um, the stability that I found, um, in the program, like, I don't know about y'all, but like I moved a lot in active addiction. Um, I had a lot of different phone numbers, but I have literally, literally lived in the same apartment complex <laughs> since 2009. Yeah, so I, think, <laughs> I think so. Uh, Shayla told me that you had been there since she graduated. Yeah. Yeah. So I was literally in halfway at that treatment facility. Um, and DHS told me, they're like, if you do not have a place to live for your, for your child, for you and your child, when you get out of there, he's not ever coming home. And I believe them. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? <laughs> and uh, and for the record, I wasn't mad at DHS either. Like, they, thank God for them. I mean, I hear so many people get, they're angry at DHS and they're angry at the authorities. Um, they saved my child's life and they saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I was not a good parent. I was an unfit parent, you know, and um, I was not entitled to have rights to my child at that time. Right. I mean, I that's a staple in my recovery is like to not resent authority, like blaming the police why I went to prison or yeah. like it's like, and then like my uh, ex-father-in-law, uh, like, um, you know, like that's where my that's where who has custody of my daughter, and I mean it was a very hard choice. But when I was going to facing prison, I went ahead and not for me, obviously. Right. I started to see it from that perspective that this is somebody that was looking out for the best interest of a yes. child, and it's not easy to uh, to uh, be humble enough to say that and to realize it. But I mean, you know, it comes a time being clean and uh, working the program to really come to that happy place of understanding, right? Yeah. I think humility is a key essential. We're not too much. We're not better than them. We're not worse than them. They're not evil. We're not evil. We're all, we're just doing this thing. Yeah. We're just trying to do that. We're doing the best we can. And, um, so anyway, so I, I'm still living in that apartment complex and, um, I don't know. Some people probably think, well, golly, you should be, you know, 14 years clean. You ought to be like further along than that. And, um, or have some own a house or, you know, I don't want any of that. Like, that's not, um, I've done that. That's not on my journey this time. Um, you know, my journey was to take care of my child that was terminally ill. Um, you know, I did literally everything for him except breathe. You know, um, the disease that he had, it, it took, uh, 
his cognitive abilities and, and, and it affected him physically. You know, um, he lost his ability to, to walk, to talk, to dress himself, like all that stuff. And, and that, that was my job, you know? Um, and I, and I did work and I, and like early on in recovery, I went back to school. I was working two jobs. I was going to school. Zach wasn't going to school. He loved going to school. Um, and, and I was doing things. But then, you know, his illness, uh, he started regressing in about 2015. Um, and we just couldn't do as much as we used to do. And so that's when I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to keep chasing the career um, or I'm going to be a parent? You know, my child's life is on fast forward. Um, and so um, he passed February 25th of um of 2017 and I still am clean. He was 14. He got, he lived to be 14. So they told us he wouldn't live to be five and, and he lived to be 14. And, um, you know, what an honor and a pro privilege that I got to be his parent. You know, um, it was tough. It was tough. I didn't have a lot of help, um, from other family members. Um, but we did it, you know, and um, I think my fellowship, you know, they, we did it. We, the village, <laughs> we did. Uh, and uh, so these last five years since he's been gone, um, it's been a new journey for me uh, trying to figure out my purpose. Like, who am I? So, yeah, when you lose a child, um, you know, and, I, and that's something I had to think about. Like, do did I want to stay clean after losing Zach? Um, did I have a reason to stay clean? Was I worthy enough? Mm. Um, I just, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I mean, that's, that you know, was, it, was I worthy enough of staying clean? Um, because I just had lost my, I just was lost, you know. Um, my daughter is grown and she's very successful. Um, so she doesn't really need me anymore. Um, Zach was gone and here I am again, just me, <laughs> you know. So, um, but I knew that Zachary wouldn't want that. Um, we had a good life. We had a very good life. Um, you know, the nine years or so, I was nine years clean when he passed. And uh, in that nine years, like, I never, like, we never got evicted. We never went hungry. Um, never were without electricity or water. You know, and, and I think about that. Um, he was 14 years old when he passed, and that child, all he knew was love. He did not know anger or fear or hate or abandonment or hunger that so many children at 14 know. And um, all he knew was love. And that was a direct, <laughs> a direct result of our fellowship or the fellowship that I'm in. Um you know, the night that I had his celebration of life service, 
And when I that's a sorry, trip, the that's... giant trip, the giant schnauzer. <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. Okay, I have to throw some pictures of him up mm. so people can put a face to the one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and how cool is that? Like, I get to be in this amazing. Like people trust me with their animals and their. That's amazing. This, it is amazing. You know? I, I, mean, I was going to say that uh, when you said that about people saying, "Well, shouldn't you be here? Shouldn't you be there?" And I've heard that being in the sober living for a couple of years now. And you know, I keep thinking the spiritual path and the spiritual ascension is what this is about. So I'm not super worried yeah. about that. I think that my higher power has me right where they need me. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's led me to bigger and better things and. The new horizons, even, and so you know, I don't have a problem serving that. And um, warm weather. Yes. So, the, yes. I'm well, saying like you're jealous. I am. The record low there is 67. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it because that's like shorts all the time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm excited about it because we got some place to go visit now. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that the other day. Don't better don't. Don't just tell me that now. <laughs> I don't know. No, I love it. Uh, there's a uh, convention out there that I just want to check out. It's called Area 51. It's in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, I want to check that out. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Like the whole recovery scene on the West Coast is like super interesting to me. I've never seen that side of the country. I've actually never traveled much. Well, I've been to South Carolina, but that was a, that's a that could be a whole yeah. topic because there's a rehab. And uh, I ended up, long story short, took a bus out there. And within two weeks, I was back on a bus, no phone, no nothing. No, boring. I get it. No, I, I totally get it. Like, I, I know. Like, we we go places. We think we, we want to get clean, and then it's just so foreign to us, and it's scary, and we start, um, we start really detoxing, you know, and that, and that's something that I, that I learned this time, and I share it with some of my girls, um, it, it, different drugs, um, and it wasn't so much with the meth, but the the post acute withdrawal syndrome or symptoms <laughs> is a real deal. Yeah, you know, absolutely, it was. Yeah, and I didn't realize what it was when yeah. it was happening to me. Right, and yeah. uh, you know, and I was able to share that. Sagan was going through some stuff, and I was able to share that with her. And it it's really something they don't talk about it in too much in 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 the fellowships um, and. Actually, my daughter is the one that really discovered it. And, and then, of course, if you're in a treatment center, you can talk to them about that because it's, um, it's a real deal. And, and it can take up, too, depending on what drug you're on or we're on or whatever. Like, those sim- that sim- symptoms can last up to 18 months. Oh, yeah, easily. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I share that with my girls. Like, look, this may be going on with you. Um, because it comes at like 90 days or six months or even a year, you know, and, and I'm so grateful that, um, that my daughter read, did some research because we couldn't figure out, like, here I was this brainiac, so smart and like knowledgeable and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, I couldn't even remember like what day my daughter was born on, or like phone numbers and stuff that I knew, like, and that's one thing people are amazed. Like, how do you know that? Like, just retain it. it. It wasn't coming back. It was gone. Yeah. And it was very terrifying to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my recovery today. Um, you know, I'm still very active in the fellowship at, at 14 years clean. Um, because I know what will happen to me if I say stop. you're like a stable pillar 
and they're like one of them like legends I, I, to us. So for that's real. A, for that's real. A, that's yeah. a, I still I'm I'm new. I don't I mean I have two years today, but I'm still new. Right. Congratulations. New is new is uh, Yeah, Mark's got two years today. Yay. So yeah. good for Mark. Yeah. I wasn't I mean, yeah. Yeah. I know, but we're, I was going to mention it anyway, but since you brought it up. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, that's another thing. We're talking about higher powers. I don't think that there's no coincidence in that that's the day, and then in four days I'm going to go and do on this new thing. It's it's all a coincidence is God remaining anonymous, and then a miracle is God breaking his anonymity. And I've heard that a very wise person shared that with me. That's actually not, you know, part of the fellowship, but uh, that does save a lot of lives and directs people that way. They run a... Uh, a counseling deal in Tulsa. It's a court, uh, a prison diversion called uh, uh, Action Steps, the Arise program. And uh, they, they do veterans court. And the guy's amazing. A lot of people that have been in drug court know who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just like attribute and to everybody from all the old schools that have been around. And that there's so many people have contributed to my recovery. And even the people that, that are just coming in today. And they, you know, people don't realize that. But it's a, uh, the unification of us and that common purpose is what really is a sustenance. And there's something, in my humble opinion, there's something definitely greater than what I see at work. I mean, if not, if it's just, uh, what did uh, Larry tell me? Happy synchronicity. It could be just that. Maybe it is. I don't know. I just know that the love of the fellowship and the love of the principles contained within are definitely a power greater than Mark. And I don't know. I just, I just like bringing all this together now. I don't think it was just dumb luck. No, it wasn't. No, no, absolutely not. Like I, you know, I'm the cheesy one that say like we're the chosen ones. You know, we're warriors. If you are sitting in, if you're sitting here in a room in a chair and you're clean today, um, you were chosen. Because absolutely. how many people do we lose every day? And how close did we all get to that? Right. And could you imagine? It was like. 29 degrees this morning when I woke up. Like, I I couldn't imagine being homeless again. Like, no, <laughs> not at all. No, I, I, or, I literally thought about that last night. Like, yeah. or, you know, oops, I um, used that electric bill money or some dope and waking up without, ele- you know, like, I don't have to live like that anymore. Nobody should have to live like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and, and they talk about that. <laughs> you know, the mistakes that we make and, and we do make mistakes in recovery, but sometimes like we reach a point, like it's not a mistake. It is like self-will. Absolutely, it's the yeah. consequences of self-will, you know, and that is something that, that I have had to learn. Um, especially these last five years since Zach has been gone, I haven't been too disciplined about, um, you know, I make money, I spend it. I mean, you know, I, I left for a while. I was took a job and, and lived and worked in Yellowstone National Park for six months. And, you know, that was going to be my deal. I was just going to be a gypsy and just work at the different parks and travel around. But um, here I am a caretaker again. You know, I got home and, and I'm an only child and um, my mom needed me, you know. And, uh, and I was pretty resentful for a while, you know, like I didn't want to be here because I didn't know how to be here without Zachary. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay, but I'm okay now. You know it's what I mean? It's funny how it follows that same pattern of running. Yeah. But like, we are so good at that as addicts. I mean, like the evasiveness and that's oh, yeah. something I, I just, I relate to that so much. Yeah. I really do. But I mean, I was doing that 
you know, I never got to do anything like that before. And it was amazing. Like, it was amazing. And, um, you know, and and it was kind of like one of the very first big girl things that I'd ever done. Like, I didn't know anybody in Montana and Wyoming. Like, I knew nobody. You know, and and the way it all happened, it, it was almost like that was what my higher power wanted me to do. You know, when you're two weeks before your my child passed away and I'm on the internet looking for jobs, like, what am I going to do when he's gone? You know, and there's an ad, come live and work in Yellowstone, you know, and the HR lady, her name was Louise, and that was my grandma's name. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, it, I mean, um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful um, that I was chosen to have this life of recovery. And, uh, you know, if you're new listening to this or if you're or you're an all-timer listening to this, because we we all still struggle, even with 14 or 20 years or somebody today picked up 19, you know, um, like we still have struggles. Um, but we don't have to do it by ourselves. And, um, and that's one thing that, uh, that I hang on to is anytime I go through anything in, in, in this recovery life, um, there's somebody that's been through it before that can hold my hand while I get to the other side, you know, and, um, we don't have to keep dying. Um, you know, we get to live today. We get to go to work today. We get to pay our bills today. Um, we probably need to get to go outside and potty today. <laughs> He's yeah. staring at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm grateful. You know, Sagan's doing some amazing things in her recovery. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I was introduced to her and I just took her and like, let's go. And we've been. Yeah. I, I remember whenever you told me who you picked. You know, in, in, in our in the fellowships and uh, other a couple programs, we have someone called a sponsor who kind of helps you in that program. And, uh, you know, just they're kind of your confidant and just your, uh, a, I, I think they're just everything. That's just me. That, yeah, that's and that's me to my, my people, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I remember when you told me that that's who your sponsor was, who, that Valerie's your sponsor. I was like, yay! Yeah, yay. yeah. and I mean, and um, <laughs> is it okay if I share this about our experience? We had at uh, Lake Tinkiller. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and then we're going to close with this. Um, um, so we were at a camp out and um, we have a big uh, camp out every June. And uh, and so I drug Sagan to it. And uh, she likes to drag me around. I like to drag her around. <laughs> and uh, so I drug her to this and um, and we were um, doing some step work. And, you know, and like a lot of us, when we first get here, that G-O-D word is um, a lot of us don't have uh, our concept is um, one usually from childhood um, or it's different. It's not the traditional G-O-D. We have fear of God or anger. um, But, you know, it's suggested to try and find to get a try and find a higher power. And um, we were doing some step work, and um, we were actually step two. Mm-hmm. And um, and this, you know, and um, Sagan's yellow butterfly just showed up out of like it just showed up. Like we were sitting 
under a pavilion in and like it just showed it just came floating that her a yellow butterfly is her higher power to her grandmother and, and that, i've just been talking about and she her. had just so weird like the and monarchs she, are mine that's so weird and, she and it had, was the biggest brightest yellow butterfly I'd ever seen. i mean it was huge and we're outside in in yeah it was amazing i mean i was just thinking about and, it uh, <laughs> oh it just gosh. showed up and that's and i knew then and i think she knew then like it was a profound experience for both of us and um and she's held on like you know um and it's just little things like that yeah like when shit like that happens you know you're you're where you're supposed to be you know absolutely that's exactly the thing with the monarchs and that i'll have to tell you sometime but yeah it's just that's that's remarkable i love that it's like right you're right where you need to be yeah 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 i mean it just reaffirmed you know and uh so um i don't know about y'all but i'm just gonna keep coming back oh yeah sounds good (laughs) same well, we want to thank Valerie for sharing her experience. And um, <laughs> this dog is getting restless, so He's we better ready. end this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we love you guys. We really appreciate your support. I'll be posting some links in the show notes. Um, and yeah, did you want to add anything? Yeah. Um, thanks a lot for listening, guys. And uh, we enjoy all the uh, positive feedback we've been getting. Um, also, we'll put some links to, um, there's a mission on uh, 17th and Denver called the Denver House. And if you know anyone experiencing homelessness, they can actually be linked to services from my mental health association and other places here in Tulsa that can get them into housing. Um, there is a, a, a project called the Be Heard Movement, and they have this hoodie that Steve was wearing. It said, imagine I have a shower for three months. It's just something that goes through my mind because, man, I've done that stuff. I've yeah, been out here in this 20-degree yeah. weather. Well. And, you know, we want to we want to definitely make sure that we're getting those links up. And also we did put the uh, mental health awareness links up for the 988 hotline and stuff because it is that time of year, guys. And, um, you know, as always, reach out to us on Facebook and uh, make sure to tell someone else about it. And uh, I think that's all I got. That's all I wanted to add. So you can- Perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we will get this updated and edited and posted probably on Thursday this week. Um, but I will keep everybody up to date on that. Love you guys. Bye.